And the Louisville Cardinals are the 75th NCAA college basketball champions. And Rick Pitino with the Bucs and Confetti has won his second national title. Oh my goodness! Donovan Mitchell! Mitchell takes middle, gives it to Adele, scores for two. Wow. Snyder trying to go by Adebayo, he does, and he lays it in. Adebayo had no chance to stay in front of Quentin Snyder. Snyder knew it. Jackson keeps it again, trying to stretch to the edge. What a hurdle by Jackson! Highlight reel touchdown! Lamar Jackson does it again! Jackson, look out, makes a cut, why not spin in for another touchdown, unbelievable, he has seized this national stage and made a strong early, early Heisman statement. The winner is Lamar Jackson of University of Louisville. Welcome to the CardinalConnect.com podcast network, your number one source for Louisville Cardinal athletics. Thank you for joining us yet again for another edition of the Cardinal Connect podcast. I am your host, Gabe Duverge, and joining me on this lovely Thursday evening is the one, the only founder, publisher, editor, main guy at the CardinalConnect.com. It's Mr. Nick Coffey. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm well, Gabe. Thanks for having me on, man. Good to be here. It is it is great to have you. Uh, I don't think people, of course, are not going to know that we tried this about a week ago at the same exact time, and just technical difficulties made it physically impossible uh, for us to get things out, so that's why we are a week late um, on, on when I usually put out the podcast, but there's still plenty of get-to. There's a ton going on for June the 8th, it's, it's actually kind of insane how much has been happening in these past few weeks. Um, so, you know, want to get started with what was the biggest story last week and I think is still a pretty big story right now, and that's the addition of five-star wing Bruce Bowen to the Louisville basketball. Brian Bowen. Brian Bowen, not Bruce Bowen. It, I, dude, I, I, I've <laughs> said, I said Bruce Bowen about six times on my radio show in the it, last few weeks, so I, it happens. No I big deal. That, I think the whole time we talked last week, I didn't say Bruce Bowen once, and I tried so hard not to say Bruce Bowen. And It's, it's hard not to. It's wild I just now did Brian. But, yeah, Rick Pitino adds Brian Bowen, five-star, very, very late, of course, in the recruiting process. A huge addition to this Louisville team that – you know, just a few weeks ago when, when Donovan Mitchell was leaving the squad, it appeared that they were going to be, you know, in the, around the 15 to 10, maybe upper teens range for these preseason picks. Now, it, with the addition of a pure scorer like Bruce Bowen, um, excuse me, Brian Bowen, I'm going to keep doing that now, uh, Brian Bowen, that they'll be per, potentially a top 10 team. Um, what was your thought process, you know, about this whole kind of deal. I know you talked a lot about it on the radio, Nick, but sort of where are you sitting now, now that the dust is cleared and Brian is fully committed to Louisville? Yeah, he's here and uh, it's uh, luck. And yeah, I mean, that's what, yeah. it, you just don't see things like this happen. And Rick Pitino, he was on with Terry Miners earlier this week and he acknowledged that it's luck and sometimes you need some luck on your side. And, um, as far as what it does for this team, I mean, it makes them better. They're more talented. This is a guy that just has a knack for scoring. 
And I think, you know, it, it, the real question for me, and they're going to they're gonna do it. The question is, is how well will it all play out? But they're going to make it work to where they can have Ding Adele, VJ King, and Brian Bowen on the floor at the same time. And Ding Adele is going to, I think, be that attacker, the guy who's, you know, just kind of getting to the free throw line, being the aggressive player. Um, but then uh, VJ proved last year that he's a guy that, doesn't I mean he's just a natural scorer. We saw some games early on where he was getting you know garbage minutes, nine to right. ten minutes a game, and he'd put up twelve to thirteen points. I mean that's just kind of what he does. Bowen's the same way. He's a he's a guy that that scores in many different ways. Uh, I heard from Evan Daniels earlier this week that he's going to be the best shooter on this team, and at six seven with that length, that that says a lot because you know I, he. It, I'd be lying if I broke down his game because I didn't know who he was two weeks ago. Right, I mean, I knew the right. name, but I didn't know a lot about him. So it's a big deal. I mean, it, it, this Louisville recruiting class is likely going to be in the top six, top seven. Um, they needed another, you know, punch, if that makes sense, because, yeah, no, it you know, with Donovan gone, they needed a little bit of a, you know, they needed somebody that can come in and just, you know, but with all that said, it's all expectation. It's a freshman. It's somebody you don't really know a lot about other than his ranking. But when you're the second to third highest recruit Rick Pitino's had in his, you know, more than 15 years here at UofL, it's a big deal. So um, I'm still I'm still trying to process it, Gabe, because it, it, it's just so unusual that it plays out like this because, you know, and I'm going to flip this back to you and ask you this question because I've been kind of, you know, without knowing anything about about Brian Bowen. You know, his recruitment was very strange, very unusual. And you wonder, was there any reason to be concerned about the fact that he waited this long, couldn't find out where he wanted to go? And literally, they called U of L and said, hey, can we come? Are you interested? No, it's it's definitely the oddest recruitment I've ever heard of during Rick Pitino's time at U of L. And I was I was concerned, and we talked about it last week. And there was a little bit in my mind: what's that? What is this addition going to do for the team? Is this the kind of guy who's going to come in and expect right away to be the the number one kid at this at at our team at our school? Um, and and I was a little pleased to hear. I, I think it was Evan who who was talking about uh, Brian, and it seems he's kind of acquired a guy actually, and he's not really not really the kind of boastful. Um, person that that you may worry about a five star recruit, you know that kind of character may be. Um, I I don't know. I think I, I think I it's all going to depend on how they play. It's so hard to say. Uh, you know, I did a little bit of research on what's you know what's next. You know what what kind of how he might fit in the team. You know what his style is, what his strengths and weaknesses. It looks like defense is something that he's going to have to work on at UVL, and of course that's. That's always been the buzzword when it comes to freshmen and Rick Pitino. And I know you've sort of talked a little bit about sort of the myth that freshmen don't play for Rick. But uh, it, it appears it's it's going to be interesting how he kind of manages these minutes. I know yeah, one – no, go ahead. With Rick, I mean, he doesn't really have an option to just bench guys this year as exactly. far as freshmen. I mean, he doesn't – I mean, he's going to need them to there, – there, there's a legitimate chance that a, a true freshman does not start, and I actually like – I like the lineup that wouldn't have a freshman in it. But if you get to the point where you realize, okay, maybe Malik Williams, maybe Brian Bowen are too good to keep on the bench, then you got you to get him in there. But I think Rick understand. I, I do like the thought that the mindset – when he says it in May that he realizes they're going to rely on freshmen, I feel like that's him telling us that he knows he's known to not play freshmen, but he's going to have to this year. So maybe they'll have a little bit more breathing room to right. 
to make some mistakes. But, um, you know, you, you're going to have to play some of these guys. I don't see a scenario where at least three of them are not key pieces to this team. And you, know, you mentioned the, the the whole brick never plays freshman. And I, I, I honestly, the, uh, looking, I don't know where that came from. Is it, it, it can't just be VJ because two years ago, that team that featured, the, the, of course, the team, it's, it's going to be the unforgettable season years from now because it's the team that didn't make the tournament because they got held out of it by their own school. And, you know, Damian Lee and Trey Lewis, but Donovan Mitchell, Ding Adele, and Ray Spaulding all played critical minutes for that team. So I really don't know where that myth came from. There's not been one freshman that came to UofL that should have been a one and done that was not because Rick didn't play him. I just, I, I'm aggravated by people that keep saying that. But this year, there's no choice that he, there, I mean, he has to play them. Um, and really, I, doesn't this kind of, for me, this sort of kind of puts the nail in the coffin of this whole after effect of the Katina Powell Andre McGee scandal because Absolutely. we're going to find out in a week or two what's going to come of that but throughout that time Gabe throughout the investigation throughout the outside the line stories we saw on ESPN they recruited at a higher level than they've ever recruited at no that's a great point and it's something I definitely wanted to mention just the general recruiting kind of mojo that this team has right now it feels like it's it's definitely interesting and, and it's definitely a testament to guys like Kenny Johnson and um, it, and David Paget and Jordan Fair who have worked really really hard to improve recruiting at Louisville in the past couple of years and it's something we've talked about you and I before on this podcast and just the fact that it seems like Louisville is on top of recruiting better than they've ever been under Rick Pitino. And it's fascinating that it's happening at this time when there should be a cloud around the program. And I think it really speaks to the testament of Rick Pitino and, and what he's been able to communicate to recruits and to families that, you know, this is, this is what happened and and this is what, what may happen and what may not happen. And it's really a fascinating, fascinating thing. I would not have predicted that recruiting was would I. was gonna be better. And it's that's the first th- I remember, Gabe. And well, I know we we need to move on from this, but I remember like forty eight hours after. Actually, no, it was a Friday afternoon when the whole thing broke. Where oh my God, yeah. is Pat Forty's tweet accurate? Is yes. this real? Is it fake? It's- and then of course by Sunday, everybody had read the book. And I'm driving into the office on Monday morning, and I'm thinking, oh God. What the hell does this mean for recruiting? Like it was such an after effect, but you thought that'd be the biggest thing to be impacted by this. And here we are nearly two years later, and they are re- literally recruiting better. Con- I mean, they've had some good classes prior to all this, but as far as like the two consecutive years, meaning that what they've done here in 17 and what they're off to in 18, it's unreal. No, you're absolutely right. And if 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 this is what is happening in this immediate aftermath of, of the Katino Powell situation. It's who knows what's going to happen in 2018 when, when this is, this appears to be said and done with. And, you know, I just wanted to talk, touch on 18 really quickly because um, some new rankings came out and it, it's looking really good in terms of um, Anthony Simmons and Courtney Ramey, the two guards that are currently committed who are both top 30 recruits now in, in scout and, and pretty much consensus 
And um, I just want to ask a quick recruiting question for you, sort of a sort of a side story. Um, you know, the U the U20 team, the USA U20 teams coming out, and and the name when we're talking about recruiting in Louisville right now that every Louisville fan wants to mention is of course Romeo Langford. Yes, sir, from New Albany, and 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 I think this momentum from Brian Bowen it kind of rolls in really nicely. What are your thoughts on Romeo Langford this summer? Uh, potential, you know, there's there's already been plenty of whispers that Louisville may be in the lead for him. Um, now it appears that he's going to have a lot of time to be spent with Mr. John Calipari. Uh, what is <laughs> what is your thoughts on on Romeo and, and recruiting and where we go from here after Brian Bowen? Yeah, Louisville Twitter loves to just assume that there's no chance that <laughs> Romeo ends up at UFL because Rick never gets five star recruits. But UFL has now. <laughs> yeah, UFL has been in on him for a long time. Doesn't mean they're leading, but yeah. they've been on him for a long time. Um, they were the second power program to offer him. Actually, I'm sorry, the third because nobody really knows this. But Tom Crean was in early, but Steve Alford, the Indiana yeah. native, was in earlier than him at UCLA because he's an Indiana guy and he yeah, knew yeah, this yeah. kid was great. So Louisville was in after that. Kenny Johnson's been the main recruiter yet. Patino's been involved. Um, they're 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 in a good spot, but they're also going up against the best programs in college basketball, which is not normally how they operate. Now, I think Romeo is not leaning one way or the other. I do I do believe there's 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 legitimate truth that he grew up a Duke fan, but he also leaned U of L over IU and UK when he was a kid. Now now he's a nearly a grown man and he's making a decision that's gonna impact his future. Of course. Um, Kansas has been involved. Nobody has actually no coach has been act, uh, present around him more than Roy Williams at North Carolina. I mean that I don't know where they are in this mix. Yeah. Because Duke's Shashevsky's never been in New Albany to my knowledge, but he sends John Shire and Nolan Nolan Smith every <laughs> chance he gets. But Roy Williams won a national championship, and two uh, two days later, at eight a.m., he's he in New there. Albany High School checking yeah. in on Romeo. So That's everybody's going after him. His recruitment, I think, is still pretty much wide open. But and I'll, I'll I, I, here's what I'll say that I, I truly believe, and I would not say it if I didn't, is that. Louisville is in just as good a shape as anybody now. As you mentioned, Gabe, he's going to be playing and trying out for this under 20 or under 19. Um, yes, it is under 19, my fault. Yeah, uh, whatever. I, I, you, may, you may be right. I could be wrong. But either way, he's going to be competing for this Calipari-coached USA team. And, uh, yeah, that, that could certainly impact some things. But I will tell you this. As of last – and I'm going, I'm going a year ago – because, but last year, and nobody talked about this, and I don't know why, maybe because Romeo was only going into his junior year of high school, but he came out and said that of all the schools recruiting him, he didn't think Kentucky was showing him enough love. And Calipari did go visit him once the season ended. Um, but I, I'll leave you with this. As far as this conversation, I mean, <laughs> recruits remember that, who was in early and who really yeah. cared. And yeah. I think that can go a long way, and I think Louisville's been there now, again, even if they don't get him, fans are going. And if they don't, fans are going to go insane. But they're going up against literally every name a top college program that's not involved here: Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisville, Indiana. I mean, I could be forgetting one, but they're all in the mix here. It's it's it's. I mean, no, that's it's what all the biggies for sure. Yeah, it's what you do when you're going up. You're going after a top player. No, and it, it will be very interesting. And I know that that's going to be especially once these recruiting periods gets get going. Um, in about a week or so that 
um, that is going to be the talk of, of recruiting for, for this city and for this state and for this region just in general. He is the prize right now, and and it would be – if if it happens, it would be the biggest recruiting. I think we could say since, you know, um, since Paris Ellison or, 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 or Daryl, or it's, it's, it would be the biggest get in forever. Um, Absolutely. For, for this and, program and, and a game changer, I think, for the future of, of Louisville and five-star and potential one-and-done recruits. Yep. And I know we want to move on to baseball real quick, but I will leave you with this on the Romeo Lankford discussion. And I already said I, I don't know. I know I already <laughs> said, said that once. That but, twice. <laughs> but Romeo was in the Yum Center this past season when Louisville beat Duke. Yep. And he was there when they beat Kentucky, too, yep. on, a, on unofficial visits. And I don't know what that means, but – it happened. He was there. He saw it, and I, and all. And I don't know if the coaches tell these guys to do this, but these players and some guys who are now former players are are working Romeo Langford. Yeah, no, that's definitely the truth. And I, I've actually seen. I think Donovan Mitchell has tweeted him uh, once or twice since since getting back on Twitter and such. And those are the things that you know I think about. You know, and you know when when Big Blue Madness comes around, and you know Romeo will probably go to Big Blue Madness if, if things aren't se- settled by then. But just remember that he's seen the best of Louisville as well, and the best that this fan base has to offer as well. And and um, that's all you can hope for. But it's really good to hear, just in general, Louisville in on a five star recruit with all these big guys. That's that's something that's still pretty uncommon for this program. Uh, so it's great to hear. But with that being said, we're going to move on. As you mentioned, the Louisville baseball, which probably is the bigger story and probably should have been what we talked about first just in general. Um, Louisville baseball, of course, going up against Kentucky this weekend for the Super Regional. Best of three series. Winner goes to Omaha. It's a huge, huge event. It's been sold out. Um, it's going to be quite a weekend down at uh, Jim Patterson Stadium. And I, I know, Nick, that that you you've said that quite a bit on your show you're not the world's biggest louisville baseball fan but i know you can respect how big a weekend that this is for louisville athletics just in general so i will i will start the conversation with this if louisville falls to kentucky this weekend would you consider this season for dan mcdonald and his team a failure failure no because they still had a good season but it would be extremely disappointing yes and that and that even saying that it may be underselling how disappointed it may be because they've had their hearts ripped out from them the last two years in the super regionals yes um but look again you you set me up perfectly and i appreciate you for that gabriel but i'm not the biggest baseball guy so i'm not i mean I, i but i do know that going into this year they were not expected to be as good as they were now it doesn't mean that they just get this free pass to just kind of lose whenever. But it was supposed to be a rebuilding year. And, you know, talking to those who cover the team really closely, they did not have a very strong out-of-conference schedule, but they took care of business in the ACC. For the when you have part, the yeah. best player in college baseball on your team, it kind of helps you, 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 it helps you get through that rebuilding year that some people thought it was going to be. But they have it now. They've got the opportunity, and I think – you know, although I mentioned that they were supposed to be going through rebuilding year, where they don't really get it, look, if they lose, it's not going to be the end of the world. And Dan McDonald's going to get criticized, and I understand it. It's fair to criticize him for having this, but I just feel like if they have this opportunity, this, you know, once again, like a lot of a lot of college baseball programs would die to have five consecutive chances meaning three game series right. just to get them to the college world series and look Louisville's been 
three times in the last ten years. That's pretty. That's that's pretty damn impressive. But it, I don't think it would be a failure of a season. But I do think the even la, even the off season for baseball this past year, Gabe. I felt like there were a lot of fans still very bitter about what happened last year because they were loaded. So I mean, three three first round picks in the MLB draft, and they come up short. This it was just year, the, the 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 shortest of short. I, and and I, I I honestly forgot that they were up three to zero at the bottom of the oh, ninth. Oh yeah, third game. it was. Oh, it was. <laughs> I, I, look, I don't go to a ton of baseball games. I was there for that could not script a worse way to go out it was it was unbelievably bad so this year there's added pressure one because they got there again and here's the here's their shot they got to host a super regional but also they're doing it against kentucky and you may know more about them than i do but from everybody that i've talked to they're a pretty good team and they they're going to come in and and it's not i mean this is expected to be a very competitive series yes it very much is and even a few of the you know the baseball experts are picking Kentucky to win and the last time these teams met they play twice every season Louisville won the one in Louisville um, and, and they ended up losing to the Cats in Lexington and, and what was a really weird and odd game I think they lost by like they ended up coming back but at one point they were, they were down, down like 12 to nothing yeah, they I think were, and came back and rallied and it was still ended up being like a five I think yeah depth. it was like 12 to seven I think was the final score or something like that but yeah, you know, I I haven't watched as much UK as I have Louisville, obviously. But it's just I think if Louisville loses this one, just the fact that it's to Kentucky, this is their first super regional appearance, period. And um, I, I forget the name. The I think it's Migany or Mingione. Mingione. Okay, the, he's he's Italian. My fault. There's he's, even, he's 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 too likable. I need to stop hearing his I interviews. Heard an interview with him, and he seems, he's like he's. He's just he's Mr. Motivation. I kind of like him, and I don't like that. Well, note on him is there's already some talk that he might be a candidate for South Carolina. Show. Yeah, I heard that's, that. That's neither here nor there. But just the fact that if Louisville loses, it's to Kentucky, and that just that's look the that pressure's on Louisville. The pressure is 100%. on Louisville, no doubt. And I think there's a just especially given the history of this, especially given the the history of this just program in general, and and the recent years. I think when the pressure's on. It's it's almost like Louisville sort of is more prone to sort of wet the bed. You're right. <laughs> it's just they, they have an opportunity to change that, but as of right now, I think you're right. And if you think about it, the two you know the the few time the three times that they've been to Omaha, it's always been when they were the underdogs, and that I think since they've become this sort of power, nominally they've kind of named themselves as this national power. They haven't really done it on the field. And it's a lot to it's obviously a lot to ask Dan McDonald to, to do this year after year. He's doing a, a ton for this for this program that was nowhere 15 to 10 years ago. But he's also the highest paid coach in college baseball. And it, it's after three if he if he can't get it done this weekend after three years of missing it, you know, I, I can understand the, the idea that it would be a failure. I'm kind of with you. I think it's about the closest possible thing to a failure without being a failure, especially given the fact that he's probably going to have the number one selected player in the MLB draft next week in, in uh, Mr. Brendan McKay, who, who is absolutely tremendous. But, uh, you know, a few concerns for me just being a person who's watched the team and, and how they performed in the regional. You know, Brendan McKay didn't pitch too well. Um, excuse me, he pitched really well, but he didn't bat too well, and, and Drew Ellis didn't bat too well. The cards actually kind of relied on the bottom of the lineup more than anything. Josh Stowers had a tremendous weekend. I think yes, he, he, bat, he bats eighth, I believe, for, for the cards. So it would be really interesting. They're sort of not really coming into this weekend with 
all pistons firing. And, um, you know, I mentioned Brendan McKay and today it was mentioned that, or it was announced that he was the national player of the year from baseball America. And it appears that he's almost a certainty for the golden spikes, which is sort of the Heisman trophy for college baseball. This makes Louisville likely they would be the only school to have uh, both the Heisman trophy winner and the golden spikes winner in the same academic year. I think Oklahoma had it in the same calendar year, but still an achievement nonetheless. And, you know, how big of an achievement is that for you, Nick? You know, just the fact that Louisville can have this kind of success in multiple sports. I mean, those are the three biggest sports at the college level. Now, of course, with, you know, with there's women's basketball as well that I think you, you kind of would lump in there. But, um, right. no, I mean, it, it, it's extremely impressive. Um, but you, what you don't want, and look, this is going to sound terrible because I'm I'm not underselling the fact that that is an impressive thing. I mean, it just goes to show you good things are happening at happening at UFL. But you don't want to have those individual awards lumped with teams that underachieved. And exactly. I think it's I think it's fair to say now. I mean, it's it's terrible, but I think it's true that this football team, Lamar's Heisman Trophy, is great. But without that, we'd be talking about. We already kind of are have talked about the fact that last year's season was very disappointing. There's no way around that. But you don't want those two huge individual awards to be put together with two teams that you felt at the end of the day underachieved. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it, if, if the cards were to, to fall to Kentucky this weekend, I feel like we haven't talked about them, you know, how good they are and how, how they could win. But it just would be the footnote on, you know, three different seasons where – there was a lot of individual achievement, but still, you know, it felt disappointing in some way, shape or form, you know, having Lamar win the Heisman and all the issues at the end of the season and then Louisville losing in the second round, which just, it feels like they haven't done that forever. You know, yep. so so not getting to Omaha would be a huge disappointment. But even said if they get if if, you know, next week we're talking and they're in Omaha and, and they don't do anything, I think that would still be a disappointing disappointment given how little they've been able to do there but that's you know we got to get there first I think Louisville can pull it out that first game is going to tell me a lot of of what they can do you know um, it it looks like Brendan McKay is going to pitch on Saturday I'm losing the name of uh, Cade McClure is going to pitch on Friday so if they can win that first game and take it to Brendan McKay like that's that's incredible that's that's what they need and uh, Kentucky also has a really good ace as well um, jelly it, yeah it's it's what we'll, we'll, we will see so uh that being said you know w- wanted to move on to something else that's that's happening big around that's not too uofo related um the nba finals of course game three was last night the warriors took a three to oh lead lebron james passed up the final shot to a wide open kyle, Cor- kyle corver who could not drain it uh, so, you know, a lot of people are talking today and just in general, I think, Nick, about sort of the Warriors and what this means for basketball in general. And I wanted to pose this sort of really lame, undefeated, you know, Skip Bayless question for you. You know, do you would you consider the Warriors bad for basketball? Um, I mean, it's not their fault. And I think right now everybody's watching to see if it can be done if somebody beats them. And last night it felt like it. Look, a lot of people may be listening to this the next day because I know game game four is is coming up. But in game three, that that looked to be the best shot that Cleveland may be able to give them. That's my dog barking. He agrees apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's not their fault. 
But I do think in the grand scheme of things, if this was to continue, it would be bad for the NBA. Now, again, Kevin Durant, I, I'm not rooting for him because I just, I, just, I just can't. It's not a personal thing. I just kind of, my human nature takes over and I'm going to root for the underdog. And uh, if I'm KD, I, I wouldn't have made the same move he made. But that's, that's neither here nor there. But to answer your question, I mean, I, I do think that. And you can look at ratings right now, and it's because there's the suspense. But if this thing goes to be a sweep, especially if, if Golden State's able to blow them out in Game 4, which could likely happen, um, at that point, I would say that there's going to be a lot of interest loss from the casual to somewhat normal fan. The diehard fan's always going to watch. That's what you got to right. keep in mind about sports. Right. There's always a core group you're going to keep. But your goal every day is to try to go out and bring in more people. And when you have a league that there's no real anticipation as far as who's going to win, you know who's going to win, you're not as likely to bring in those other people. So um, I, I do think that in the grand scheme of things, if this continues to go this way, it's not good for the NBA. No, you're absolutely right, and, and I completely agree. And I, I think this idea, you know, people, this question has been going around Twitter all day and just sort of a topic of conversation when it comes to the finals but you know, people are they're citing the the ratings for last night or the ratings for game two. They're up. Well, of course, because this is you know, if you've if you've watched the first two Star Wars movies, you're gonna go to the movies to watch the third one because you want to see how the trilogy ends. Yeah, this, you know, that's to be expected because people are the anticipation's there to see is the are, are, is this Golden State Warriors team really as dominant as we thought? And once it's proven that they are, then I think you could you could lose some people. Yeah, absolutely. And and I sort of honestly, I think if you want to kind of answer this question, I think you should point to 2014 when the Spurs completely dominated the the Heat the last season that LeBron had in in uh, in Miami. It, those ratings were terrible. And, and you know, you, you can point to some of that to the fact that people don't really like watching the Spurs, but they were just dominant that season. And there just was no question that they were going to be the team. That, that ended up on top despite the fact that LeBron had, you know, had the heat going and all that. And it's – I'm sort of of the opinion that it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime almost like unfairness just because of oh, the – Oh, that's the thing. You, you, we sound like, you know, weak like saying that, but it is unfair. It's unfair it's, that Kevin Durant is on that team. It's unfair, and it's unfair that the, that the Cavs – can play and, and and that Kyrie can have the game the game of his life you know he scored what, nearly four, 80 points between the, the two 80, of them 80 points between LeBron and Kyrie and they still lose and I don't care what you say you know about what you've got to say about LeBron James and whether or not he's clutch if you're LeBron James in that situation and you're you have Draymond Green guarding you you see that Kevin Durant is by the rim and then you also see Steph Curry there you're not gonna. You're gonna pass to the wide open Kyle Korver, who's a who used to be a fifty percent three point shooter. You know that's what he's there to do. And he's and LeBron even said that today. He said if I was gonna play the play over again, I'd do it again, just because that's a more high percentage shot than him going against three people at the rim. Yeah, I mean, I, I, with LeBron, I don't want to get too much into it because I'll just ramble. But <laughs> if you're gonna use this series to try to be the guy who doubts LeBron's greatness, I just can't. I can't take you serious because. He's averaged a triple-double in, in the finals. Um, I do think there were some times where he's been a little passive, but either way, like it's not this is that's not what this is about. No, he's playing against arguably the best team we've ever seen in the NBA. And well, th- with all that said, he did miss a layup last night late that could have eventually kind of put the not put it away, but he could have kind of yeah. given them a bigger lead. But yeah, no, I just it, it's it's stupid for me because I 
I want to be able to really like give a formulated take on this series, but it comes down to a couple things. One, it's not fair. And two, I'm now to the point where I'm ready to say this Golden State team, when when Curry and KD are, are playing the way they're playing at their best and healthy, I don't know if we've seen a better team ever. No, it's 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 absolutely the thing to to talk about. And I think there's sort of this predisposition when you say, oh, it's unfair that it's almost like you're whining. But it's almost like it's like unfair and like the video game unfair. It's like, oh, man, that's just unfair. It's just there's nothing you can physically do. And and it, it's become so obvious that that Golden State is hands down, head and shoulders, the better team. And like you said, one of the greatest of all time. And, you know, you sort of mentioned a little bit about LeBron and, you know, whether or not he's great. And, you know, and I, I, there's been some talk about, you know, whether KD might be overtaking LeBron. And I, I tend to almost agree with it in sort of the idea of I think this. He's was, truly in his prime. Yes, he's truly in his prime. And LeBron is clearly it's not that he's like, oh, he's almost an old man now. It's that his prime years are it's it, I, I would say he maybe has one or two years left of prime. See, I really like Kevin Durant's game. He is as unique as you'll ever see. A guy that's seven foot can shoot, and he's gotten better defensively. And this is me sounding like the LeBron supporter, which if Gabe, I don't know if you remember my takes 